Pregnancy centers are typically geared towards women for obvious reasons. But what would it look like to walk into one where men are equally welcomed and helped? My guest has dedicated his life's work to creating such places, and he will share his experiences with us in just a moment. So don't go anywhere. Welcome to the Fatherhood Challenge, a movement to awaken and inspire fathers everywhere to take great pride in their role and to challenge society to understand how important fathers are to the stability and culture of their family's environment. Now, here's your host, Jonathan Guerrero. Greetings, everyone. Thank you so much for joining me. My guest is Tony Trammell. Tony is the founder of Dadhood, an organization whose mission is to help pregnancy resource centers establish and equip men's ministries. Tony's also a seasoned trainer, writing curriculum and presenting at conferences to educate and equip other organizations. Tony's also an author, having written two books and counting. Tony, thank you so much for being on the Fatherhood Challenge. Thank you, Jonathan. I appreciate the opportunity to be with you. I got to ask, what is your favorite dad joke? What's green and rides uh, through the West? Uh, I'm not sure. The lone pickle. (laughs) Tony, you've had a very busy and impactful career starting men's ministries and pregnancy centers. What is the story behind why you began this work? Back when I was in junior high, Roe v. Wade had, had not been around very long, and I um, after a little bit of studying, I began to get curious at that age, and I be- determined I was pro-life politically. But it really wasn't until my oldest son was born that after seeing the miracle of birth and going through a pregnancy and doing a little bit of Bible study along the way as well, that abortion is not really a, a political issue. We've allowed it to become one, but it's really a biblical issue. Um, and after I got that frame of mind, um, I began to look at uh, our local pregnancy center where people from our church were involved in and uh, began to get involved with that, began to work with um, young men in our church back in the 90s and uh, began to see what they were facing at their age that I wasn't facing uh, at my age at that point um, and began to just get more involved in our uh, pregnancy center and uh, went on the uh, was asked to be on the board of directors in uh, 1999, and then I got a, um, a front row seat as to what we were not doing to reach the men at that point, and I began to pray about it and get a real burden uh, to try to reach them somehow, and um, we just happened to get a call in 1999 or 2001 from our local juvenile judge who had a couple of young men that uh, he thought just needed a little a little talking to, basically. So uh, the uh, center director and myself sat down and met with these guys, and it really just opened my eyes to, um, I think they were 15, 16, something like that, to, to the need even more. So I began to pray about it, talk with the board about it. And along that same time, I began to have some health issues that ended up being diagnosed as epilepsy that I had uh, never, I never knew anything about it. It had never been an issue in our family or anything like that. So um, it ended up after being diagnosed that in early 2003, I had to take a medical retirement from my job. It just was not working. And I just saw that as, a, as an open door. So we just jumped in at that center in 2003 and um, started a men's ministry, just something I knew we needed to do. 
had no idea what we were doing. There were no resources available. We didn't have 10 cents to our name as a ministry at the time, but we just jumped in and, and went with it. So, you know, 20 years later, 20 plus years later, I, here we are and Lord's open door after door. It's nothing that I've been able to accomplish. It's just that God has just uh, worked and shown me things and taught me things and just revealed himself in mighty ways. Um it allowed me to be more more and more involved in many places. So it's just been a blessing, and I praise him for everything that's happened. I want to jump a little bit deeper. What impact does a father have on the decisions of pregnancy, including abortion? Oh, it's huge. I, I don't think it could be overstated. The um, The number one reason that, uh, that girls will give um, for considering abortion at all is— uh, the father of the baby, either they're getting pressure from him to abort or they're getting or seeing a lack of support from him. And they take that as uh, he wants uh, her to abort or that if she has the baby, he may he may leave and uh, leave her on her own. So she's she is seeing that as a, um, a reason to get out of this pregnancy. And at the same time, if they uh, carry the baby, um, the fact that he is involved during the pregnancy makes a huge difference. Um, study after study shows that when the father is involved, the, the pregnancy is healthier. Uh, the mother takes better care of herself. She has an accountability partner there to, um, you know, such things to take her prenatal vitamins and to go to her doctor's visits and all these things. So he, the father's involvement during the pregnancy is uh is, is huge. And that's kind of become the focus of, of dadhood is the more so for the expectant father. There's, there's, there's a lot of good programs now for men who are fathers um, to try to challenge them to become better fathers. But there's not a lot out there that actually focuses on the expectant father, which puts them in line with being in a, in a pregnancy center. I want to back up a little bit to where you said bought in the bought in where he buys in what are the primary reasons why an expected father would not buy into it is there something that is there something that he's afraid of and that is making him consider abortion what is he really scared of what are the needs there part of it i think is um if we can think back as that age just a fear and depending on the age uh he is and you know every um, client, every young man, every situation is a little different. Um, so there's different issues that may, uh, relationship issues that, uh, he's not ready to commit to. Uh, the, the, uh, fear of being a father is, is huge at any age, really, if we're honest, but especially for a young man when it's unplanned, um, just the unknown and a big factor that I see, uh, that I've seen and I uh, continues in, in uh, pregnancy centers is, that the vast majority of young men who come in come from father absent homes. So they really have had wow. no example of what, you know, a, being a real father or being a dad. Uh, and I think there's a difference there. Um, what being a dad actually is, they have no idea because they've never seen it. They've never had it in their own lives. So there's that real fear of, I can't do this. My dad didn't do this. Um, he was never there for me. So, I've got this um, the great unknown is even a greater unknown to him. And, and then when it comes to the um, 
you know, even earlier with the abortion decision, we've seen a real um, obvious in our society, a real obvious um, disdain towards fathers in an early pregnancy. Um, these young men are being are being told by uh, our society today that they have no say in any decision whatsoever, that when there's an unplanned pregnancy, that he really just needs to sit down and shut up, you know, that he has no voice, he has no reason, um, that she will let him know if she needs him down the road. Otherwise, he has no say-so. So he has been kind of browbeaten into this whole attitude of, I'm not allowed to say anything, and to do right means that I don't express an opinion. And a lot of times these young ladies will take that as the lack of support and he's not interested and he's just leaving it all on me and I can't handle this alone. And it just comes down to really a lack of communication a lot of times that they're probably more on the same page than they think they are. But young men in our society today have just been discouraged from stepping up and it's sad. There's a lot of support out there for single moms. And it kind of has pushed the dad, uh, maybe unintentionally, but it's kind of pushed the dad out of the family picture, that he's not really necessary. Let's change gears a little bit to a bit of a story time. We really love stories on this program. Where have you personally seen God working directly in your ministry and in the men that you have impacted? Please share some stories. One young man in particular that um, 2006, you know, 2006, he came into the pregnancy center, and um, I think it was just kind of a cold client walk-in. And uh, he was 13 years old, and his girlfriend was 14 years old, and they got a positive pregnancy test. The youngest client I ever had that had a positive test. Um, he became a father while he was in ninth grade. Uh, his wow. home life, yeah, it was... It was amazing. His home life was horrible. His uh, his mom was an addict. His dad just kind of withdrew and disengaged from the whole thing. Um, his mom ended up in jail. Um, he didn't have any other support outside of the home. He ended up moving uh, during high school. He left home and actually went to uh, live with his uh, uh, girlfriend's family. But he did have a baby. It was a healthy baby. Um, before I think he was a senior in high school, he had a second baby, but he kept his nose to the grindstone and he, he graduated high school on time with honors and went on to college and, uh, ended up graduating college with honors. And during college, he had two more kids. So he had four kids by the time he was 22, um, and the, what really struck me at the time was when he came in 13, he was, he's three days younger than my own son. And that just kind of hit home, you know, real hard. No kidding. Yeah. I went home, I looked at my son and just, you know, thanked God that he was, you know, still, you know, somewhat innocent because we don't let kids be innocent anymore. And uh, he went on to college, ended up at the same college, a, a local campus for college that my son attended. So I got to see him. I got to spend some time with this uh, young man. And uh, we got to uh, spend some time together and have lunch together and different things. I got reinvolved in his, his life a little bit. He, um, 
he went on and got a master's degree and he is now um, has a very good job in a very good company. Uh, he ended up getting married right out of high school to this same young lady. Uh, they have four kids. They're doing very well. We stay in touch probably at least once a week. We'll message each other or something like that. And his kids are now, you know, his, I think his daughter's a junior in high school, I think. Um, so that's just been an amazing story of, you know, you have that relationship and I have several relationships that have gone on from years ago, which are, um, you know, very precious to me, to be very honest. Um, so I look at a story like that and see great success, but something that really cemented to me that God was really, um, working way beyond my comprehension in 2000 and see March of, uh, 2018, we did a training in Anchorage, Alaska, which was just an incredible trip, especially when I was had the opportunity to help establish a new ministry there that's still doing very well at the Community Pregnancy Center of Anchorage. So that was in 2018. They're doing very well now. But a little over a year later, we were in um, Dallas doing a training for two pregnancy centers there. I think it was in June of 2019. And right after we got to town, I got a phone call from a, from a um, brother in Christ who said uh, they were getting ready to start a new pregnancy center in uh, a suburb of Dallas. I wanted to know if we could uh, work on that and talk about that and work together a little bit. And I told him we just had so happened we're in Dallas, you know, this week. And um, he said, well, how long will you be there? And I think we were there five or six days. We did some, was, I think it was probably the first time my wife went with me on a training trip like that. So we stayed around to some sightseeing and they asked if we would be able to just have dinner one night. So we, uh, you know, free food, you're going to jump on that, of course. And it was a very nice restaurant <laughs> and they had, uh, they were sharing their testimony and they had actually sold their own house and they were, they were successful young couple and they had um, just had a baby and, uh, she had an older son. I think he was 14 at that time. Uh, and they had sold their house to, in order to buy another house in another suburb of Dallas so they could turn it into a pregnancy center. So, I mean, these people were all in. Wow. But they had the desire um, that she'd had with the 14-year-old, she'd had an unplanned pregnancy. And he, being a new father, was just really on fire to try to help young men. And they wanted to start this um, this new center with built or really built from the beginning on serving men and women equally, which is a, a great goal to have. So as they're sharing their testimony, she is telling us that she had found herself as a teenager in an unplanned pregnancy and that she was an air force brat. And at the time that this happened, her dad was stationed in the Elmendorf air force base, which is in, Anchorage, Alaska. And she found herself pregnant. She went to a place called the Community Pregnancy Center of, of Anchorage. Um, they took wonderful care of her. Uh, she found uh, Christ there. She accepted Christ as Savior while she was going through their program. Wow. But she said her greatest regret was that there was nothing there for her boyfriend. And um, he wanted to be involved. They didn't have any services for him, so he kind of just waited it out. And they ended up not being 
together after that. Um, later, he became a, a pretty good father. Um, but now these, she was in Texas. And what hit me was, I told her, I said, a little over a year ago, we went to that same center and we did trainings and started, help them start a men's program. So now there are services at that place. And we were just kind of um, between our, our, our mouths dropping open and tearing up. We realized, you know, God was working here to allow us to meet these people. She ended up making a, a banquet video for that center and, and kind of explained her testimony. And it's just amazing how, you know, we're sitting in a little bistro in Dallas hearing a story about a center that we'd been in uh, a year before. So this big picture kind of thing opened up to me. It's like, wow, this is connected center to center. I already knew that, you know, I'd been around long enough and working with other centers long enough to realize it was. But when that kind of was very personal, it just opened my eyes and uh, was just really amazing to see. I'd like to pause and thank our proud sponsor of the Fatherhood Challenge, Zencaster. If you've thought about podcasting before and realize that you need a lot of different tools and services, those days are over. With Zencaster's all-in-one podcast production platform, you can create your podcast all in one place and distribute to Spotify, Apple, and other major destinations. But the reason I personally use and trust them with the production of this syndicated radio program is their professional broadcast quality sound. There is no better time than now to start your podcast using Zencaster for all your needs. Go to Zencaster.com slash pricing and use my code fatherhood and you'll get 30% off your first month of any Zencaster paid plan. I want you to have the same easy experiences I do for all my podcasting and content needs. It's time to share your story. Where do you see your ministry align with Malachi 4.6? Malachi 4.6 is the scripture text that talks about turning the hearts of fathers to their children. Practical application-wise, that's a great verse um, for our ministry. It, it's um, Our ministry, of course, is to help other centers establish those programs now. that's uh, you know I still do a, th- a few things locally and through our church. Um, I'm not in a center in, in uh, every day anymore as I was you know years ago. But it's, it's sad, but it's true that we have to reach out to men to try to help them turn their hearts to their children. Um, and we're wired that way. God has wired us to be fathers. God has wired us to want to be fathers and to want to provide for our children and protect our children. But our culture today has made it so easy and uh, even popular to step aside and, and back away. And these young men today really need um a little bit of encouragement sometimes to step up and turn their attention, turn their lives towards being what uh, God has um, designed them to be, which is to turn their hearts towards their own children. And I think then naturally, the the, the natural result of that is children turn their hearts to their to their fathers. Um, but sometimes it's a challenge, and sometimes it's just because, like I said, they're from father absent homes, so they've never seen a father turn. Um, his heart towards his child. So they've kind of, um, you know, fallen in that crack. And we really 
sometimes the society want to trash, you know, young men for not being um, responsible and stepping up, and we should hold them responsible. Don't get me wrong, but at the same time, a lot of times they don't know how to be. Um, unless somebody reaches out to them and somebody's able to, in a, in a pregnancy center is a perfect setting for that, you know, to reach um, not only a, a mom to be, but a dad to be and be able to help them see their need to do what they're supposed to do, but also encourage them and train them along the way to do it. When coaches and staff members take your trainings, what are they learning and how are they better empowered to help and serve other fathers? Well, our the trainings we do on site, we start out with basically trying to share with uh, what we call coaches. Some of them call advocates or mentors, whatever. Um, share with them and the staff and hopefully even a, a board member or two if they'll sit through at least the first class. The first class is basically why a men's ministry. And we just lay out the case um, for six reasons that your your center should have a men's ministry. It's just necessary. Once they see that, um, it's like a, you've lit a match sometimes. And these men really, you know, for the first time, their eyes are open and they get it. And they know why that they're at that training now. And then, then from there, the trainings, we, we kind of define what a male client is, what, uh, um, what his needs are, where we can try to meet his needs where they are, you know, meet him where he is. And then um, we'll do a walkthrough with um, a client visit, very detailed. And then we also do a version of that with a with a abortion-minded or abortion-vulnerable client. And then we have some interactive videos that we made several years ago. Um, you know, a lot of trainings will, uh, in a lot of situations we'll do like role play. Um, and this kind of goes the next step that we have uh, real client stories with their young actors that we that we put together several years ago. And they just kind of act out that story in your like a client visit. And there's several stopping points in each video where um, we try to basically teach active listening. And the attendees, the guys in the room, we say, OK, what did he just say? What do you take from that? Um, what do you say now? Where do you want to lead the conversation from this point? And what are your impressions of, of him now and going forward? So it kind of turns into a round table, you know, and they, they pick each other's brains uh, point by point as we go through these lessons uh, or through these videos. And then we basically just train them how to use our, you know, our curriculum and our other resources um, to plug it all in. So we, we, try to shove a lot into about 10 hours of class time, usually like on Friday night and Saturday. Um, we try to push. We do do some Zoom trainings that um, they're not quite as in-depth. We can't use those videos very well at all, so we don't even try. We tried that before. It just didn't work out well. But we do have you know training with the basic um, online training with all the other basic classes. You've written Defending Dadhood, Building Dads in Pink Buildings, as well as a booklet called A Few Good Men. Tell me a bit about each of these books and what dads will learn from reading them. Building Dads in Pink Buildings came from people asking the question or, or center directors asking the question, you know, where do we start? Uh, we want to do this, but we don't know how to get started, which is very common. You know, it's just kind of out of the wheelhouse of a lot of, uh, of, a lot of ministries. And it's um, not really been in their mission before. 
So the title comes from the fact that young men, when they look at a pregnancy center, sometimes see a pink building, uh, a pink ministry. Wow. Yes. They see it as a place where female medicine happens, uh, a place that a young young guy does not want to go into. You know, it's kind of um, a different version of the great unknown. You know, they see everything as girly and pink and, uh, the fact that you have to, if you're going to start a men's ministry, you have to get beyond that, um, that misconception. And the, the book, the book goes into basically 13 steps from starting from scratch. Some centers who already, um, you know, are, are several steps into this, or they've had a men's ministry may just need to, to, uh, hone in or plug in one of those steps, you know, starting is the 13 P starting with prayer. You start it all with prayer. Um, you got to bathe it in prayer before you take the first step of any other kind. So that is basically like a how to get started book. Defending Dadhood is um, a book that teaches coaches how to deal with abortion minded or abortion vulnerable men. It's almost like a, um, it's, it's a long, probably a long version of a handbook. And it starts out with the seven different ways that a man can be involved in an abortion. Um, and kind of helps them meet that particular uh, need and that particular come at it from that particular direction, try to stop him from doing that or being involved in one at all. A few good men is basically how to find uh, coaches and how to keep coaches. And by far the biggest writing that, that I've got is our curriculum preparing for dadhood, which goes back to, you know, starting from a positive pregnancy test and getting them prepared and I started writing that when I first got into um, this uh, ministry in 2003 because we didn't have any resources. We didn't have any curriculum. We didn't have any videos. So I just started writing lessons based on what the guys were coming in, uh, asking questions about, what their concerns were. And over the course of about seven years, I wrote all this stuff. And then in 2010, I stepped back and decided I need to try to put this into a more user-friendly form. I was getting a lot of questions from people in our area. Um, and I just kind of turned it into this curriculum. And now it's it's um, what we put out there to help centers. It's written. It's 40 uh, lessons. It's four Bible studies. And basically takes them, will help them take a client from the, the moment of a positive test through delivery day and about 30 days beyond. And it's very, it's very practical stuff. And it's also um, something that can be tweaked to an individual client. It's not like a set, you know, this is lesson one, this is lesson two, um, or videos, this is video one, this is video two. It's something that allows the coaches to uh, pick and choose from to meet that particular client at that particular time, if that makes sense. How can dads listening now learn more about dadhood, receive training, or maybe get other resources such as your books? And if they're looking to connect with one of the ministries and the pregnancy centers you serve, how can they find one near them? Well, our website is dadhood.org, D-A-D-H-O-O-D, dadhood being a takeoff on the next step, I believe, before uh, beyond fatherhood. You can be a father, but not really be a dad. Um, we have a Facebook page. Um, dadhood i don't think it has a whole lot of followers i mean not in the thousands or anything but we actually have followers from uh six continents which just blows my mind i don't understand how that got out there but it's it's amazing to see what we hear from 
places in Asia and Africa and different things like that. Um, I can be reached at Tony at dadhood.org. If somebody's interested in finding a center, I can um, help connect them with somebody. If they're interested in a training, you know, I'd be happy to try to um, help them somehow. But if there's a center or a man who wants to get involved in something, I just love to talk to people um, on the phone or Zoom and just hear more about their ministry, you know, and see if I can help in some point, in some way. Just to make things a little bit easier, if you go to thefatherhoodchallenge.com, that's thefatherhoodchallenge.com, go to this episode, look right below the episode description. I will post all the links that Tony just mentioned right below the description. And Tony, as we close, what is your challenge to dads listening now? Just be there. Be there for your kids. Uh, You cannot spend too much time with your kids, I don't think. You know, we look at quality time versus quantity of time. I just say be there. Um, God has wired you to be a father, and all you have to do is uh, just tap into that natural inkling. Uh, Sounds easy, but that's a great place to start. Tony, it's been an honor to have you on the Fatherhood Challenge to talk about such an important topic. Thank you so much for being with us. Thank you. I appreciate it, Jonathan. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Fatherhood Challenge. If you would like to contact us, listen to other episodes, find any resource mentioned in this program, or find out more information about the Fatherhood Challenge, please visit thefatherhoodchallenge.com. That's thefatherhoodchallenge.com.